As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. The worrying rise of Charlie Eccles, instinctive Sunday league behaviour in an office environment, a mortgage-free Dion Dublin. Just whose hands is the title actually in now? A very modern goalkeeping gaff. The threshold for a young starlet having the world at their feet. Do we really need to worry about the streets forgetting a moderately serviceable Premier League goalscorer? Honest pro Keanu Reeves. Can a wrestling match be end to end? And Keys and Gray throw their hat into the Stockley Park ring. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 248 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me on the adjudication panel today is David Walker, first of all. How's things going? Yeah, very well. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. I've got a tweet from the weekend to read to you. Oh yeah. I just want you, simple task, I want you to guess who it is. Here it goes. You can't just ruin the experience, especially the match day one, to this extent and not get these things right. And yes, of course we all make mistakes, but that's the point. These aren't omniscient ref bots. They're refs in Stockley Park. Nowhere near enough upside. Get rid. Is your accent there at the end a red herring or... or a? That was just the instinctive voice that I read out the tweet. A giant clue. I mean, is it Keezy? Sounds like Keezy, doesn't it? But no. Or is it the voice of football? No. Nick Miller, would you like to guess? Hello as well. Uh, hello. Is this someone that we know? <laughs> yes. Is that Charlie? It is Charlie Eccleshare. <laughs> he, Lovely. the boundaries have blurred for him. <laughs> I genuinely saw this tweet and thought he was being keezy, and it turns out it was a sincere observation from Charlie Eccleshare. Wow. <laughs> That's why he's not on today. One pod ban for unintentional keezy. His head's gone. Absolutely gone. Right, let's adjudication panel, shall we? Um, first up, Dave, I'm convinced this story is true. It sounds like something someone might make up for the purposes of appearing on the Football Clichés pod. 
but I'm sticking with it. It came from Break OUFC. A few years back, he says, at the end of a meeting at work where visitors had come into our office, we did the usual round of handshakes and thank yous, and without thinking, I said, well played, mate, to one of them. I stopped short of a slap on the arse, thankfully. <laughs> I can see how Sunday League Instinct might, might kick in there, Dave. En- enough handshakes and you're there in that mode, aren't you? Yeah, and I think it's sort of in the, it's in the right spirit. <laughs> Just about get away with it. Yeah, I, th- I, think you could, I think you could. I think, I don't know if I've actually said that, but I've definitely sort of said, probably have said something along those lines at some point in a work situation. Nick, do you think well played is versatile enough of a term to get away with in wider society? Yeah, I think so. I'm just wondering what uh, to what you could get away with. Like, you could, as 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 he said, you, you couldn't get away with the slap on the ass. Could you get away with the, like the pat on the shoulder? As you you know, you could, the handshake and then the as they're walking past the pat on the shoulder. There is that. Because no, I think weird? then you then you stray into the the realms of sort of passive aggressive one upmanship. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think mm. a simple well played mate is is that's a nice gesture, but. It, don't touch them beyond the no. handshake. No. <laughs> <laughs> David summed it up almost perfectly. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, fair enough. You can't yeah. go for these sort of uh, admittedly quite ergonomic kind of following of a handshake with a pat on the opposite shoulder. But um, no, no, don't do it. It's too familiar. I mean, that, that might be clients. Who knows? But um, but yeah, fine. I can understand the instinct there anyway. Um, as can I hear, this is came from listener Adam, who was listening to Leicester's co-caretaker manager, Adam Sadler, at the weekend. This is this is 99% caretaker manager levels. It, it has almost everything you could possibly want. I'm not going to speculate on potential uh, new managers at the football club. I've just been told by the club to continue to to do the work until until told otherwise, and that's what I and Mike are prepared to do. Why, <laughs> Nick? How has the set of words "until told otherwise" become such a indelible part of the caretaker manager tapestry? I don't know. Is it is it a kind of like, it's like a recognition of your station in life now i don't know is frank lampard going to be using the words until told otherwise he's more fixed term though isn't he i I suppose he's more fixed term but if even if he wasn't do you think he would be too like high status to be told otherwise by mr bowley (laughs) being in a state of until told otherwise dave has to be like an internal appointment doesn't it you had to be kind of drafted in rather than sort of an interim external situation yeah I think Nick's right it's a, it is an acknowledgement of the situation yeah he knows that really this isn't going to last long that he's not going to get the job but it but that said it does it does kind of leave the door very slightly open because the until told otherwise could also be you've got the job full time yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit of self-belief there in, yeah. installed in the phrase okay yeah maybe maybe how many wins do you think a caretaker manager needs before he can legitimately say he's throwing his hat in the ring um three and three and a spin three, three on the spin it seems like yeah yeah That's, three yeah. two's not enough because two's two's just steadying the ship yeah. presumably three that's a massive difference between three and two and that is a situation where he would be asked if he's throwing his hat into the ring but he would remain coy about it he yeah. would never actually say the words hat or ring would he Dave no exactly I was going to say that I don't think I've ever heard anyone say well you know we played well today and after that I'm throwing my hat in the ring <laughs> Yeah, it's not for them to say. Completely agree. Right, big story of the weekend was Liverpool 2, Arsenal 2, a game that had so much, almost everything, we could argue. The reason it was so close to having everything, Nick, was almost certainly because of this, a godsend, and that is pitch-side microphones at Premier League football matches. (laughs) 
He's the only Arsenal player to play every minute of the Premier League this season. Aaron Ramsdale, apologies to our viewers if some foul language was picked up on the microphones there. Swift, wow. swift apology from Conor McNamara. No hanging around, as his other commentators want these days. Um, swiftly on it. Uh, a real great outburst, Nick, especially in a Scouse accent, but little fucking knobhead, uh, which was directed towards 5 foot 10 inch Gabriel Martinelli, by the way. So that's twisting the knife in a slightly cruel way. Is there a height like restriction on someone calling a, calling someone a little... You know, he's just not a diminutive player, let alone human being. He would have to be, you know, Trossard could have been called a little fucking yeah. knobhead. Um, yeah. I mean, again, no reflection on his personalities. That's just, you know, that's that's the levels of familiarity you need to call someone a little fucking knobhead. But um, yeah, I don't want to get into debate about whether we should be apologising for this sort of stuff, Dave. But I now consider it part of the Premier League thing. I think this is particularly apology worthy actually. Because it's quite it was that was quite a yeah. coarse version of, of 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 the abuse sort of thing. Like and I think if it was like a general chant, I mean, it was that was right down the microphone and it sort of beg, begs the question as well as to why don't we hear that sort of stuff more clearly more often? Do the sound men or women turn the mics down when there are throw-ins or I don't know because I mean we've all been to football like that that language is par for the course a particularly heated affair when there's Mm. when there are players nearby but we don't hear it every game I'm not sure those boom mics on the touchline are actually that necessary Nick I mean I'm all for hearing swearing but what are they actually there to pick up well, they're pointed at the being... pitch. They're pointed. Yeah. They're pointed for the, the the sound of the ball, I suppose, and yeah. the sound of the match. Shot, shot of a tackle, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is that is the sort of visceral sound you need from a live broadcast. I get that, but yeah, it's um, asking for trouble continuously, year after year. As perhaps was assistant referee Konstantin Hatsidakis, who now Dave, the word elbow is being thrown around willy nilly at the moment about this incident. Can we just address this first? One, if, if enough media outlets call it an elbow, which is quite a loaded term for, for you know, a bit of contact against somebody else, we, we can't wheel back from it, can we? We can't. That's it. It's an elbow. And I think that's quite a troublesome thing. Do you, do you not think it's an elbow then? <laughs> well, I mean, anatomically, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. But elbow implies a kind of swinging of the arm. Like a, a Ben Thatcher. Yeah, and a horizontal yeah. impact rather than an upward thing. Yeah, and I, I'm, I didn't really mean to get technical here, Dave, but I think it's quite—I think it's quite unfair to call it an elbow. It's just—I <laughs> think it's quite a bit, it's a bit of a disgrace that we've all just decided that it's an elbow and that's what we're running well, with, and therefore he has to answer on that charge. Well, what would you? I, I'm no, I'm very much on the other side of this. What's it? What, he did has, swing an elbow at him though, didn't well, he? But he, well, he did sort of. No, he, what's he, he doing? He was a kind of fuck off. Kind of lifted well, he's jutted his elbow out. Yeah, but nevertheless, the elbow, you could do that. You could have done that with the hand. You could have turned around. You've done it any other, many other ways. He could have expressed his displeasure or whatever Robertson was saying. But he's decided to lift his elbow up. Adam, is your problem here between the difference between the verb and the noun? Like the verb elbow is elbow. more... It, yeah, it is your John Fashionu on Gary Mabbott. Boom, proper... Thing, whereas it, it, if it is actually with the elbow, it doesn't necessarily make, make it an elbow. Is this 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 is your partly, yeah, right, okay. partly. 
but there was there was just no there was no force behind it. I mean, we we can speculate on malice, yeah, but I think it's all relative. Want. It wasn't an active first act of aggression. He was he was being confronted, and it was clearly it was so clearly. <laughs> what like, do you nobody, mean? No, oh, nobody's allowed to report it. this because it's not as exciting. <laughs> but it was quite clearly a get off me, go away. It wasn't it? Wasn't a fuck off and like elbow in the face? Was it? It wasn't. Yeah, it's but so important <laughs> for us to actually get this right. But you run the risk of doing that if you move your elbow like that that close to a player you have left yourself open if you raise your hands yeah you just well, you give you give the referee a decision to make i mean i'm glad yeah. you said that because um because nick you know it's an instinctive reaction it's like a police dog that's what they're trained to do lift their arms <laughs> As a, as a kind of side issue to this, one of, the most, one of the more tedious things we're going to have to all get used to is when something like this happens, or or, or when there are there is player to official contact, is Fulham fans going, oh, eight match ban for that? I assume. Um, I was listening to Talk Sport on Monday morning. I think they had Mark Halsey on to give his version of events, and it always annoys me when referees get obviously referees shouldn't necessarily stick up for their own all the time, but. It, uh, it also annoys me when they get a little bit too wrapped up in the narrative. And he suggested, Nick, that Hatsudaka should be banned for eight matches because <laughs> the precedent had been set by Mitrovic. It's not the same thing. It doesn't have to be the same thing. It's so ridiculous. Uh, the precedent had been set. All Lovely. that's happening here, Nick, is that people are stunned. They're so surprised by an official supposedly assaulting a footballer that they get them get massively carried away with it. The actual act itself becomes out the window, and it's just the fact that you know a referee slash linesman has done this. But eight matches. All we're asking for is consistency <laughs> or common sense, whichever one you you choose. I find it so annoying. I find it so <laughs> annoying. These things can't be judged on their merits, Dave. I'm I'm very much. I'm I'm, I'm not calling for an eight game ban. <laughs> I'll say that much. But um, calling for. I do think he took a big risk there. Fair enough. No, I suppose, you know, um, these things should be policed. And But yeah, he, he'll get stood down for one game, maybe two, and that's it. And we should all get over it. Quite enjoyed this, though. This is Dion Dublin on Radio 5 Live describing Mohamed Salah's penalty miss. Now, a little summary of this. It starts off with a slight exaggeration. Then it, there's a heavy dose of common sense. And then it ends with quite the humble brag. Not only has he missed it, he hasn't hit the target. Mo Salah, that is... It's a criminal offence not to hit the target when you're taking a penalty. You're the odds-on favourite to to come out on top, the taker or the keeper, and he doesn't even hit the post. Oh, that's a really poor penalty. He's a world-class player. He's so much better than that. And listen, if I had a mortgage, I'd have put it on him to score. Well done, Dion Dublin and your property empire. Doesn't owe anybody anybody any money. Um, (laughs) Lovely little touch there. Um, But... Did you need the clarification, Nick, necessarily? Uh, what, in case one of his financial advisor outs him and says, yeah. you haven't even got a mortgage, Dion. Just say you've got a mortgage, mate. It's yeah. fine. You can, just, you know, your proverbial mortgage. Just say that. I think there is actually a, a small but significant difference between saying, oh, that's criminal, and describing something as a criminal offence. 100%. <laughs> it, it lends it an air of officialdom that it just doesn't need, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like it, someone's actually going to do him for it. It's actually a criminal offence, did you know? Yeah, yeah. They don't yeah. actually force it. For- raises the possibility of the, the Wikipedia page for criminal offences being committed on football pitch, just Duncan Ferguson for, for the headbutting that bloke that time and Mo Salah for missing a big penalty. Someone getting in touch saying, actually, I think you find it's a civil matter. <laughs> uh, the police cannot get involved. <laughs> right, a burning question 
after this weekend, which left Arsenal six points clear at the top of the Premier League. But Manchester City have a game in hand and, of course, they will host Arsenal at the Etihad at some point too. With all that taken into consideration, plus Manchester City's superior goal difference, whose hands, Nick, is the title in? Is it Arsenal's hands, Manchester City's hands, both their hands... Or neither of their hands. Oh, no, neither of their hands I hadn't I hadn't really considered. I think it's in both their hands, isn't it? Mm. Well it's not it can't I don't know. It, it's not it's not one or the other. It's not in Man City's hands, it's not in Arsenal's hands. Which it's, makes me think it can't be in both their hands, because if it if it gets to a point where you're considering both, then it's essentially neither, right? Because you would never say that. You wouldn't say it's been both their hands. You just say and it's like a title race. It's like you but can it describe is, it as anything else, but it isn't, it isn't in both their hands. But it is, though, technically, because if they both win all their games, or if, if either one of them won all their games, then, then that team would win the title. Because they play each other, it means that they both know what they need to do. They both okay. c- can be masters of their own destiny. So it's cl- the bothness is clinched by the fact that they're playing each other. If they, yeah. if they were still mathematically locked but weren't playing each other... Would it still be in both their hands or would it be in neither of their hands? Because someone would then have no, because, to slip up. Because someone else could do something that beyond your control. If, right. they, if they were just level on points, even if it was a big goal difference, you'd technically one team could win 10-0 or something and swing right. it. Right, okay. But because they have the opportunity to beat one another, they both can control their fate. Right. But in terms of the, the expression of it, you're right. Like you would say to a fan of Man City or a man of, a fan of, of Arsenal, if they were, you know, down about their chances or whatever, you say, well, it's still in your hands. Hmm. But you, if you're talking about them as a pair, yeah, I, I think it would be weird to say, oh, it's, it's in both their hands. Yeah. They got okay. one hand on it each. <laughs> no, neither. You, you can't say either of them have a hand on the trophy. I mean, that's, that's certainly not it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu.
to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. The furore caused after last week's discussion on this podcast, Nick, about whether Clive Tildesley meant name on the trophy for Manchester United or Bayern Munich when Teddy Sheringham equalised in the 1999 Champions League final. Name on the trophy! 65% of respondents to my poll said it was Manchester United, correctly, because Tilsley is on record as saying and describing why he used it for United and saying that you know their journey to the final meant that their name was on the trophy and this was another reason why. But 35% of people were stunned. They genuinely thought he meant Bayern Munich, as I originally had or subconsciously assumed all these years and then finally was won round by Charlie Eccleshare. But that's a sizable amount of people to make you think that it could have been Bayern. That's all I'm saying, like in theory, not if not in practice. Yeah, I mean, I, I confess that it, it had genuinely never occurred to me that it would have been Bayern. I, I thought right. it was United from the start. Surprised and alarmed about how many people were completely the other way. This is this. It's a, a real kind of room splitter because the people who seemed to think it was Bayern were like, it hadn't occurred to me that it was United. And the people who thought it was me United said, hadn't occurred to me it was Bayern. Funny that you describe it as a room splitter there. I can't imagine it being as awkward to discuss over the dinner table at Christmas or Easter, indeed, as Brexit. For example, <laughs> oh, God, don't oh, don't bring up don't bring, don't bring up the Bayern name on the trophy again. Oh, leave it. Bring it. Bring up the footage and say, look, there's Matthias. He didn't <laughs> say it until 0.72 seconds after he was on the screen. But that is why you thought, right? That's that is your explanation as to why you thought it was yeah. Bayern because the original ITV footage or whatever the feed was when. Tilsley says name on the trophy the cameraman cuts to a shot of Lota Mateus looking disconsolate on the exactly. bench yeah exactly so that's what I thought it was but uh, the upshot of all of this was Dave uh, it just proved the rule that as soon as you have any sort of deb- debate that focuses on one club the fans of that club get so annoyed like like so offended by the idea that Tilsley might not have been referring to Manchester United and their good fortune and it might have been about somebody else genuinely annoyed pathetic behaviour it really was I was just throwing it out there um, and it really just yeah annoys me that people can't take this in the right spirit um, enough of that though now an old classic here from Aaron Ramsdale uh, in an interview with Jeff Shreves after the game at Anfield and I want us to assess its merits massive pressure at the end there does that feel like a point saved or two points dropped Ooh, um, bit of both Dave can you bit of both the old point gain versus two points drop dilemma. I think in this case you can. This might be the kind of legal precedent for it because I think this might be the perfect game. Because, in, you know, from an out, outsider's perspective, you might think that Arsenal kind of squandered their lead. Mm. But it, it wasn't quite as straightforward as that. It wasn't like they properly chucked it away, really. Well, I, I yeah, I, I sort of know what he means because I think there are there are two scenarios here, two sort of concurrent situations. Mm. In the context of the... 90 minutes, particularly based on the second half, that was a point gained because Salah missed a penalty. Ramsdale made two great saves in the last minute in injury time. But, but the title race picture has to come into it as well, in a way, because as we've just discussed, it now does bring into question whether it's in their hands and, and the Man City thing is looming. So I know lots of Arsenal fans who were gutted and they think they've thrown the title away. But then also, I mean, for instance, I read the Athletics sort of on the whistle write up and they were very much framing it as this could be a crucial point in the title race for, for Arsenal. If they win it by one point in a game that they could easily have lost but then also you throw into the fact that they were 2-0 up before half time so there are lots of different ways to look at it I guess yeah the 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 argument the main thrust of the argument Nick for it being a point gained um, became this kind of bigger picture thing 
almost almost separating it from the actual events of the first half at the very least and just saying, well, you know, a point at Anfield. You, you can't just say that. <laughs> you were 2-0 up. It also seems to be the, the, the absolutely textbook version of, if you'd asked me before the game, I would have taken a point. Mm. But, you know, in, in the context of the game, uh, is it, you know, it feels like a bit of a, bit of a missed opportunity kind of thing which I'm sure many many Arsenal fans have said yeah I will permit a bit of both here um, it's often quite a lazy thing but I think Ramsdale might have nailed it so fair play to him now we spoke recently on this podcast about whether it should be the team left everything out there or the team didn't leave anything out there now I don't know which team he was talking about here but Peter Drury said that they gave everything and left nothing behind which is a very odd one Dave because that means that they, they gave everything they had but then they also took it with them <laughs> <laughs> so that it didn't leave it behind. I'm very confused. I'm very confused about the whole concept now. I think it does make sense. It kind of tallies with the rough conclusion that we made before. Right. In that you do leave everything out there. You want to leave everything out there. Mm. And they, they, they gave everything is just sort of confirming that. They gave everything. They didn't leave anything behind. They didn't leave it. Oh, no, they didn't leave anything out there. <laughs> they did leave it out there. <laughs> The, the listeners really are missing something by without seeing Dave's face as he was talking there because there the, there's a split second you could see where he lost confidence in what he was saying. Yeah, that happens a lot on this podcast. Don't worry about it. Um, this might be the ultimate everyone knows what you mean situation. Um, finally on this game and indeed finally on Peter Drury, uh, Matt G gets in touch and says, uh, Drury said someone was living their best life during the Liverpool <laughs> Arsenal game. I don't know who he was talking about, but it's nice to know. Could that have been Ramsdale? It could be. Could yeah. that have been the 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 fan, the knobhead fan? Oh yeah, maybe. Or the um, the assistant referee. Oh yeah. Who was living their best life at Anfield on Sunday? Right. Next up, over to Sweden, where an unfortunate incident befell Hammerby goalkeeper Oliver Dovin. Let's hear the Swedish commentary just for a bit of illustration. Oh yeah. Dave, you know, so many football gaffes seem quite timeless. I don't know, an overhit back pass going in, maybe maybe a goalkeeper kind of um, uh, getting too much purchase on a throw and it going behind them into a goal, that sort of thing. But this one, this seems like a really newfangled goalkeeper gaff, which is collecting a back pass, the ball rolling behind them, them thinking the ball is at their feet, swinging it, and then someone steals in behind them and, and, and scores. And in this case, it appears that Oliver Dovin thought the penalty spot was the ball. Are you not aware of the instance where this happened before? Yes. Bundesliga, possibly? About, um, I don't know, say 10 years ago or something. I right. remember it being a, you know, a thing that went yeah. viral on Twitter or whatever. And yeah, yeah the keeper was looking up to, to see where he wanted to sort of spray the ball out to. Took his eye off the ball and the ball had drifted very slightly. And then he sort of just put a lovely sort of chip. What he, thought, what he thought was the ball was the penalty spot, yeah. This didn't happen in the 70s and 80s. This didn't happen in the own goals and gaffs era, Nick. What's going on? Are they being overtrained? Are they Are they hyper-aware? That one, he didn't even seem to, like, try and pass the ball. I think in the previous example you're talking about, he tried to pass the ball. Then mm. that, he was just trying to dribble it out. And then he, it almost looked like he took one go and go, wow, that, that felt a bit light. What's the... <laughs> No, oh no! Jesus Christ! And by uh, by that time, you, you can imagine the kind of old school. Um, what's this obsession with playing it out the back? <laughs> Proper football men would would just burst at this. Yeah, mm. well, that's probably why it didn't used to happen in the own goals and gaffs era yeah. or, or yeah. before that, because the keepers would always had the 
more often had the ball in their hands, I guess, if they they could, um, or would have got rid of it first time. But um, it is curious as to, yeah, because I don't think I've ever seen that sort of thing at amateur level. It's a sort of very high high level mistake. Yeah, elite level gaffes. Mm. Yeah, agreed. You wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't see that lower down. Maybe not. I don't know. They're being trained in the wrong way. That's the only thing I can think of for that one. Now, Drafter Thoughts writes in, Nick says, Catching up on the Sky Sports highlights of Brighton versus Bournemouth last week, Evan Ferguson was described as having the world at his feet. This struck me as a particularly football-y phrase. It's often used in the past tense. For example, Deli Alley had the world at his feet. Anyway, I'd love to get a clarification on the threshold for this phrase, both in terms of earning it and then perhaps being too good for it. For example, does Bukayo Saka still have the world at his feet? So it's a very precise level of up-and-comingness, isn't it? Evan Ferguson is the ultimate world at his feet. Um, in terms of a positive trajectory, at least. And I also agree that Bukayo Saka is beyond world at his feet stage. Although you could make an argument that it's that he's, he's about to hit a new level of like, no, commercial significance. Maybe that has to be factored in. The world at his feet suggests that anything is possible. Just they... how good can he be? That sort of territory. But I, I don't know. I think Ferguson is world at his feet. Is I don't he not know how... at that stage? Is that what you're saying? I don't saying? know how high his ceiling is. I don't think we know that yet. And I know that's sort of, maybe that's part of what they're saying. But like Saka, we know he's that good. He could play for Real Madrid. He, he could go on to be one of England's all-time best ever players or Arsenal's all-time best but ever he's, players. With Ferguson, there is a bit of an element of, there's more of an element of, he could tail off Ferguson. At which well, point yeah, you then say he, he had the world at his feet. Exactly. It's all potential. And he's, you know, he's 18 and he scored however many goals and he's brilliant goals as well. Mm. He, he looks like, um, or he looks like the finished article. So yeah, I think mm. that that's uh, Wayne Rooney. Obviously he had the world at his feet when yeah. he was at that age. I think Saka could still have the world at his feet because he hasn't really won anything yet. Because he won the FA Cup a few years ago. But this might be the last year he can have the world at his feet because there is obviously an age. I would accept that. I yeah. think I think this summer is the cutoff for Kaiosaka having about, the ball at his feet. What about Jude Bellingham? Ooh, yeah. how old is he? Is he the same age as Saka? S- is he a bit he, Jude Bellingham is nineteen years old and will remain nineteen years old for another ten years. So, <laughs> um, so on that basis alone, he might still have the world at his feet. Uh, also, the thing with Bellingham is, unlike necessarily Saka, Dave, is that there's a lot of speculation about where Bellingham's going to go next, and and the assumption naturally is that he'll go on to a bigger club and that yeah. would be the place where he really sort of stakes his claim yeah. for world dominance. So he could, on that basis, be world at his feety. But what's the difference between having the world at your feet and the world is your oyster? <laughs> <laughs> well, is your the oyster? second one isn't a football thing, so that's probably it, um, I reckon. Yeah, but could Bellingham, Bellingham, that could work for Bellingham because he can kind of have his pick. Yeah, he's got, he can go he, anywhere he wants. He has his pick which I think is a subsection of having the world at your feet. I think. The football world is Bellingham's oyster. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it true. feels like feels, the world is your oyster feels less linked to like ability, though. You can, you say... You, you just you got say, an unlimited travel card. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, the world, the, you, you, that's the kind of thing you say to a you know an 18-year-old who's just done their A-levels or something like that. You can do whatever you want. The world is your oyster. It doesn't matter if they're thick or not. It's, it's just something you say to them. You couldn't say, you wouldn't say to someone who's you know got below average results at the, uh, in their A-levels, uh, the world is at your feet. But you might say the world is your oyster. Uh, Never mind. Yeah, it's more of a geeing up thing, isn't it? I think yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And Jeremy Clarkson might say that. Still. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Drafter Thoughts. An excellent question there. And now, a troubling Instagram from BBC Football 
of the weekend, reported to me by Alex Dunn. The caption read as follows, Nick. The streets will never forget Timo Pukki. <laughs> you can sort of see why they've gone with that, but I don't think he's a, you know, a streets memory tester, personally. Has mm. he, he stayed at Norwich for too long to be... I just don't think he's sort of... It's not that he's not glamorous enough, just has doesn't have that spark yeah. about him. He's a goal scorer. Do and- the country lanes of East Anglia count as streets? <laughs> It's quite a windy, well, windy old road to, to Norwich's training ground, to, you know, having been there a few times. It's, yeah. you, you're not allowed to sort of specify the geography of it because that then implies, you know, that they'll never forget him around these parts. But that's not what it's about. The streets will no. never forget you because, you know, there's something about you. And I don't think Pookie necessarily has that. Not necessarily a bad thing. He's, he's just a um, straightforward yeah. footballer. He's not I, an Adel Tarabd. Possibly. Possibly the only way he could qualify for the streets is the streets will never forget is because he did have that real hot streak when they first came up in 1920. He was very much your FPL flavour of the month. He was cheap and banging them in. Yeah. So that maybe that gets you in as streets for streets never forget. I don't know. Scored like a hat trick against Newcastle. Yeah, being a handy goal scorer for a an unfancied Premier League team who are likely to go down, Nick, I guess puts you in the conversation for Streets Won't Forget. Yeah, I can I can see what you mean, but... Can you be Streets Will Never Forget and have the world at your feet at various stages of your career? Yeah, 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 various stages. Because you, you can you can be... The, the example you used there, Adult Terrapt, when he first came through, I think you could legitimately see... He, yeah. he was incredibly skillful. Twinkle-toed. Twinkle he could have had the world at his feet there. And then as he kind of faded into you know inconsistent mercurial talent streets streets will not forget him okay fine with that okay right next up this came from liam this is superb here's the stunt coordinator on john wick chapter four describing keanu reeves dedication and also making him sound like a 35-year-old Premier League midfielder setting an example. The first John Wick film, the second John Wick film, and the third John Wick, we've built up those layers of choreography with Keanu, and Keanu's dedication, he's the f- one of the first ones in, one of the last ones out, you know. He will come in, blood, sweat, and tears, like, leaves it on the mat every day. Keanu Reeves leaving everything out there, but also, yeah, first one in, last one out. That's what you want from your film stars, isn't it, Nick? I- yes. If you're the first one in, there's, by definition, there's no one else there. And is that useful for in like an action film? Sitting there in the makeup chair, going, "Where the fuck is everyone?" Exactly. Yeah. Or you know, just <laughs> just throwing air punches and uh, kicks at, at someone. It feels a bit showy, you know. Now, this next one is from Polly Waller, and it starts off like a fesshole tweet, but then comes back more into <laughs> our territory. Uh, she says, "My husband was watching WWE Monday Night Raw wrestling highlights recently." and commentator Kevin Patrick described a match between Seth Rollins and Austin Theory as end-to-end. Can a wrestling (laughs) match be end-to-end? Many thanks. Dave, this is your wheelhouse. Tell us. (laughs) Um, Because I suppose they sort of throw each other from rope to rope, don't they? So that's end-to-end. But that's not what they mean, surely. Back and forth would be better, really, than end-to-end. Aren't all wrestling Um, matches kind of conveniently like that, though? That, that's kind of the idea, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At the risk of um, stepping on Dave's literal turf here, they're in a square. So does that have ends? <laughs> Good point. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Doesn't have four ends, uh, does it? No. No. I mean, I think again, it possibly falls into the. You but know from a televisual mean, perspective, territory. there's end to end, right? It's side to side. Incidentally, Dave, do you get kind of like routine kind of two nil victories? <laughs> do yeah. they just have like when they just turn up, do the business, fuck off? <laughs> exactly that, actually, yeah. Right. That is known in the wrestling business as a squash match. 
Why is that funny? <laughs> I'm just delighted that it exists. Uh, never going to watch it, but I'm delighted that they have that sort of filler content. Yeah, yeah, he was the favourite and he just did the business. Fine. Anyway, speaking of titanic individuals performing pantomime roles for crowd-pleasing purposes, it's time for Keys and Grey Corner. First up, a tweet from Richard Keyes after Crystal Palace tore Leeds United apart at Elland Road. Roy Hodgson, dinosaur? Football isn't rocket science. If City had scored that third goal, the experts would be drooling. Experts in quote marks, Nick. Oh, that's so delightful. And a a lovely straw man, a classic footballing straw man as well, because, I mean, I don't really... uh, Once you read it enough times, you think, what point is he actually making at the end there? Well, I mean, as far as I could tell, also a lot of people were saying that was a really, yes. that was a really good goal. It's a really it's good like, goal. It's not like a, that girl was greeted with a shrug from all and sundry. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, come back to me when you're Kevin De Bruyne or something. Yeah. Um, Dave, this is also another bang of the keezy drum that football is actually quite simple and it's being overcomplicated by, by school teachers. And then Hodgson, who is essentially a school teacher, has yeah. come in and simplified it for Crystal Palace. Um, I, again, a drum I don't know it's, if it's worth banging or not. <laughs> Probably not. No. no. But, yeah, I didn't realise he was such a fan of Hodgson, but it does, yeah, it does make sense. Fair enough. But Hodgson, Hodgson isn't... Be in. Hodgson would do be in, would he? No, no, I don't think so. Uh, if he was in the country, if he just happened to be there, he would come in and do a sort of 10-minute sit-down, but he wouldn't do the punditry. No, no. Right, second one from Keezy now is... Um, this is Richard Keyes on fixing VAR. We need regular professional VAR operators and that is the only job that they should be asked yeah. to do not mm-hmm. do the mm-hmm. bunker one day and referee the next no nope. yeah, yeah different judging football watching football on television is very different very very different to seeing it in an arena mm-hmm. it's an art it's a skill that I've learned sitting alongside yourself Andy, for a long <laughs> period of time but I mean a long period of time mm-hmm. you have to know what you're looking for yes, <laughs> good point followed by I am great <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so the kind of assumption that these officials have never, other than specifically the games that they officiated, they've never watched a game of football before. But this is such a good development, Nick. They've had, for decades, they've had people shouting and going, you've never played the game, you don't get it. And now they're getting, you've never watched it on TV. <laughs> you've never spent 30 years with Andy Gray watching it on TV. What are you doing, man? <laughs> You've never screamed at a broadcaster come out of an action replay because you've heard the crowd reacted to something and you think the ball might be about to go in at one end. Oh, dear. Is this step number one with Keezy just just preparing, just just in case, just in case they don't get renewed when the, when the new B&D deal kicks in? <laughs> we'll do it. Yeah. We've got time. Yeah. <laughs> Send us to the bunker. Oh, I'd love it. Love it. Just sort of, yeah, supervising. It, was- would, be, it would be really tempting for Pogmol to just snap and go oh you fucking do it then <laughs> Andy Gray turning up saying I've got experience with video equipment you yeah. use, use VCRs right still no no <laughs> yeah. just let on. me sit there and play with all my silly machines as much as I like as much as you like brilliant brilliant stuff fantastic ending to a great adjudication panel thanks to you David Walker thank you thanks to you Nick Miller thank you and thanks for everyone for listening back on Thursday see you later The Athletic <laughs>